0: Welcome, everybody, once again to Primetime with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. This is episode nine. And I have to begin by saying I am completely overwhelmed by the response we've been getting. Thank you, folks, for all the Twitter comments, the emails, and of course, downloading the podcast, Ho Nation is definitely growing every week and with that i want to welcome in the leader of Ho nation wwe hall of famer and my broadcast colleague as gene oakland used to say hacksaw jim duggan hey jim
1: hey sean you know i actually look forward to talking to you after all these nine times uh, nine shows it's getting where i enjoy talking to you buddy that oh, was a I, shot, Sean, just to I get know. one in on you early. But, you I, know, the I, first thing Hacksaw's got to do, brother, is get the ho! Oh, I tell you, it does make you feel good when you're down and kind of tired. Give yourself a big ho and get you up and running, brother.
0: Right, get the blood flowing. And uh, I know you've there got no other much. reasons to be very happy this week. You're Oof. upstate New York. Tell us about uh, the busy weekend you have and uh, or had and, and what you're up to right now.
1: Yeah, I had a great weekend this weekend. We were in Columbus, Ohio for the Wizard World Comic-Con. Uh, it was great. Uh, Lou Ferrigno was there. and Of course, I don't really get along with Lou too well. Uh, the, the Incredible Hulk from the TV show, he's kind of a big shot, you know, believes his own press. But for wrestling fans there... AJ Styles was there from the WWE so it was good to see AJ one of the hot young stars that the fans love and like I said before it's a great crossover between Comic-Cons and wrestling fans so it's a fun three-day weekend we got in there on uh, Thursday and so we had Friday Saturday and Sunday at the Comic-Con unbelievable the amount of folks that come through uh, and stop by and say hello and then Sunday we flew up into Albany and Drove up here to beautiful Glens Falls, New York.
0: Yeah, and you said it is absolutely beautiful up there. Uh, the town folk all ready to welcome hacksaw when you came back to town. It's been a little well. While, actually,
1: I, funny. I, I posted on my uh, my Twitter. I said for, for, my buddies. I said I'm having lunch with Scratch tomorrow at Poopy. So if Hoppy <laughs> Hoppy ask you and Old Chap want to stop by, <laughs> I said what a bunch of names, huh? But. Uh, <laughs> So my yeah. buddies that really know me know to meet me at Poopy's at uh, twelve at Wednesday.
0: <laughs> yeah, they knew how to translate all that.
1: good <laughs> kind of like talking Carney and Glens Falls language.
0: Yeah, well, So no,
1: Sean, excuse me. Yeah, so many folks have the the horror stories in wrestling. You hear about guys coming up from broken homes and rough uh, cities and. You know, I I tell folks I grew up in Mayberry. It it was a great place to grow up. Uh, uh, Beautiful. And, of course, my three older sisters are up here, Marianne, Angel, and Sheila. So it's the first time uh, the whole family's been together in about uh, three years. Well, give the uh, whole family a big ho for me, okay? (laughs) Well, yeah, my sisters are not sure how to take that. They're always terrified (laughs) that I became a wrestler anyway. I I think they wanted me to go in a (laughs) seminary.
0: Yeah. Or they think Jesse Ventura's going to show up. Yeah, yeah, they go.
1: You remember that. They don't like Jesse. That's for sure. uh, Yeah, they don't like him. And you're starting to get on their nerves too, Moody. (laughs) Uh
0: Uh-oh. I can't deliver too many more shots. I won't be welcome uh in Glens Falls.
1: Yeah, but uh, nice town. Nice to be home. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, folks. Everywhere else in the world, I'm Hacksaw Jim Duggan. In Glens Falls, I'm Chief Duggan's kid. (laughs) That's Duggan's kid, grew up on Keenan Street down there. (laughs) That's right. Son of the police chief. You couldn't get in too much trouble. <laughs> or, yeah. Are you kidding? I'd rather get in trouble with the law than get in trouble with my dad. <laughs> okay, just that look, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's... The, the, the best man I've ever met. Uh, my, And I tell folks, a lot of people look for role models and sports heroes and movie stars. It's my role model was my dad. Uh, best man in my wedding. Uh, miss him very much. God bless him.
0: You know, uh, you mentioned your father, and I was going to bring up this uh, later, but uh, somebody sent me an email uh, talking about, uh, you know, the uh, the great event that we talked about at Wembley Stadium, uh, SummerSlam. And he mentioned that uh, I, he must have worked for the airline or something. He said that he believed that your father went to that event. Is that Was he there?
1: Yeah, he, he certainly was. Yeah, he ah. came over, uh, came over to the, the Wembley Stadium, and I'll tell you a little funny story. Uh, when we were leaving Wembley Stadium, we surprised him, me and uh, Deborah, instead of they have the flights to the UK, flights to the US. We get there and we're like, "Pop," I said, "We're going to surprise you. We're going to take you to Ireland to trace the family roots." My dad, who always thought he was a big ribber, goes. They're kidnapping me. <laughs> that's oh, the me. right <laughs> thing to say at the Heathrow oh. Airport. You know, we had nothing but security around us, but uh, so much for the humor. Don't joke with the customs people.
0: Yeah, as you learned, uh, trying to get uh, a two by four into the country. Right, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's awesome though. You know, isn't that? That's what's
0: been so awesome about these uh, getting these emails, Jim, because I take every one of them seriously uh, as far as what the information in them. Because how many times have I I've looked at these and go ah, is that right? And then I asked you, oh yeah, let me tell you a story about that. <laughs> and it, it's real. it's just been a lot of fun. And I don't know if the guy worked for the airliners. I don't know how else he would have known that, you know, your, his name was on the manifest with you or yeah, something.
1: I think, uh, yeah. Um... Uh, Lanny uh, Poffo and Macho's dad was over there. And I think uh, Kurt Henning, uh, Larry the Axe Henning, uh, Kurt's dad was over there. Uh, so there was a nice group of older guys over there, too. That was that was huge, as we talked about last week, Wembley Stadium. But just to go off track a little bit, imagine that, Uh-oh. Sean. Lay off that strange whistle there, Brian. But, yeah, but anyway, uh, when I was in WCW, I had my dad, God bless him, he was in a wheelchair at this time. You know, when I come out, I got the two by four. I'm going to bring him to the ring. I roll him down the the, the ramp, the fireworks, the music. I'm standing over him with a two by four and my flag. I I look down at him. I go, ho! My pop, he puts his hands up over his head like I was going to hit him. <laughs> I, I'm like, pop, you killed me off. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thinks I beat my father. You know, he thought it was funny as hell, though. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's when you turned heel. because
1: are right, from... <laughs> right. You know, poor daddy puts his hands up. Don't hit me, son. I'm like, oh, dad, so much for the sense of humor. That's where I get my sense of humor, I guess. Yeah,
0: But that is, it's just so amazing, though, that uh, – that we'd get that email and that that person knew all about this trip that you
1: had. And, uh, yeah, that is, that's interesting. Yeah. It's amazing. As we talked before, wrestling fans are some of the most knowledgeable fans in the world. You know, you hear baseball yeah. guys say, uh, this guy bail it bad at a 285. And the guy, no, he bad at 300, you know, wrestling fans are just like that. They can tell you who wrestled, who, and who won what match. And it's great to have such loyal fans. Yeah,
0: well, once again, Jim, we have so much to get to in this podcast. Uh, I just want to remind everybody once again: you're listening to what we like to describe as the podcast of the people, Ho Nation. Uh, for all of you who, that's right, and it's, that is catching on. I know you hear it uh, about it a lot more than I do because you're you're at all these shows, and I don't uh, get around the country like you do. But I know that a lot of people have been coming up to you and talking about. Uh, it's funny how many
1: folks come up and and you know when folks are in line they're like, "Hacks, I'm really enjoying you and Sean on your podcast." And the other guy goes, "You guys got a podcast? I can't wait, man!" So uh, hopefully the uh, the the whole nation is growing. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, well, it is, and I can tell because of all the reaction we're getting on Twitter and and of course the emails we've been receiving and and the numbers of these downloads uh, are really uh, climbing every week, and so it's really great. And uh, folks, please spread the word. Uh, Get your friends to uh, check in with us on iTunes. Uh, If you uh, like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star rating. That helps us out a lot. And also a review if you'd like to tell us uh, what you think of the podcast. Uh, We know people have other sources to get to. I've heard from people saying, you know, we we get it not just from iTunes. I know you can get it on Google Play and so many other places. Well, keep on keeping on. And, of course, uh, you can uh, join Ho Nation and catch the podcast by the direct source. Go to Com. And, uh, and, and as I mentioned, to- the Twitter, uh, I want to get all the uh, all this out of the way because I always hear people, okay, enough. Let's get to the stuff. But, <laughs> we, you know, you can reach us on Twitter. Jim's very active on Twitter. I, I had a blast on Twitter. I, I got some great stuff to share with you today, Jim, and everybody else out there of uh, of some of the stuff we received, some great questions, and another little thing that just, cut, just took off that I think you're going to find really funny. But we'll get to that after we uh, get past the main event. But you can, uh, contact us at primetime MLW, uh, send us your questions and suggestions for topics for shows and keep those stories about superstars coming. Uh, you can send those to primetime at MLW.com, you know, because it's hard on Twitter sometimes to get a whole message in there, send us whatever you want to know about questions, stories, send those to primetime at MLW.com. Okay. There. And, and so that I just that's wanted it.
1: to get in the the whole nation's uniforms are not red pumps and fishnets. That's not it, brother. <laughs>
0: Only on Saturday nights for me, but that's another <laughs> yeah. story. Right? Yeah. That might be a t-shirt too. Oh, we're gonna and Jim, this we've got the t-shirts starting to come together. Oh good. Uh, got yeah, uh, folks, uh, stay tuned in the next few weeks. We've got some uh, t-shirts coming out. and we'd love you to love you to to, to connect and uh, start wearing those around uh, whole nation and the rest of the nation. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with those. If you've got suggestions for some of these T-shirts, go ahead and send them to us. We've already got a few that uh, when we get together, we will be uh, revealing those. But that that's all coming. Uh, Jim, before we really move on, we got I want to back up a little bit here because I want to clean up some business from the show from last like that week.
1: That beeping sound is your back and yeah. beep,
0: beep, beep, exactly. beep, beep. Uh, you know, I heard from a few fans regarding the, the Ultimate Warrior's departure back in uh, December of 1993 uh, after, after that SummerSlam uh, uh, that took place. And, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't a show about the Ultimate Warrior. So I, w- I went with the company line that at the time they said that it was his refusal to turn heel. And I knew there was a lot of other circumstances surrounding this. So I didn't really want to get into it at that point, but since people brought it up, you know, let's let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit because uh, you know there was a lot of speculation and to this day it remains. Nobody uh, really wants to uh, you know give you the, the the absolute what happened here, but. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, brought up the fact that there were other things involved here. Now, part of the discussion, let's just say there were other factors, uh, rumblings that, you know, Jim Helwig had a connection to HGH, and that he was, uh, you know, there's reports that he was caught with a package after coming back uh, from the, uh, the UK, and there was a, supposedly a connection to Davy Boy Smith, uh, connecting him to people. And um, as I mentioned last week after that event, that um, he was, you know, Warrior was scheduled to go on from there. It was going to be a big push, Jim, with, with Randy Savage and him teaming up, and they were going to be the ultimate maniacs. And they were going to go on to, um, you know, battle Ric Flair and, and Razor Ramon. Uh, it, Razor Ramon, at the time, Scott Walker, had come in, and they were going to give him a big push because Mr. Perfect wasn't uh, really physically capable of really doing a whole lot at that point. He was not. Uh, so they were teaming Ric Flair up with Razor Ramon. And the warrior was uh, going to eventually uh, get the championship, but now we're getting into this a bit, Jim. And and I was at the facility when all this started to happen. This is when uh, the government started to get uh, started its investigation into connections with the WWF and steroids. So everybody was uh, really on edge. Most of the employees, I among them did not know really what was happening, but they were, you know, when you work for a company, uh, things get st- stirred up like that. Um, so when, when this word came, uh, along that with this involvement with, uh, the warrior, uh, I mean, come on at this point, you know, uh, Jim, when he came in, uh, <laughs> it wasn't all a natural product of the, that the ultimate warrior was okay. Uh, with that uh Vince McMahon and Titan Sports were ex- eventually indicted it happened uh, in 1993 like a year later so uh the thing about this situation was uh it may have been connected to that uh, the warrior was certainly not real easy to deal with at the time so i would say uh saying all of these things that were involved and the fact that they knew uh what the government was planning on or doing that uh perhaps a separation was needed um do you remember when you're out on the road when all this stuff was coming together jim we're talking like 90 after you know the fall of 92 uh do you remember any rumblings amongst the boys of of this stuff going on oh no
1: are you kidding rumblings brother i, th- <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put it yeah, yeah it was more than a rumbling I, yeah okay. it was like a thunderstorm out there i mean uh but,, because uh, I, I actually had to go down to the FBI headquarters in downtown New York City. I had to get a lawyer go in and and talk to the FBI, you know, and of course, you,
0: I, now, I, when was this though, Jim? Was this? Uh, don't ask you, me dates, Sean. The year. I'm You're not the date guy. Are
1: you kidding? I'm lucky I remember it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I went down. Uh, I got my lawyer, uh, and of course, I I was a little nervous, but not too bad because I never was. I, I took some some gas, but I never was a big steroid guy, you know. And uh, so anyway, we went in the FBI office or the downtown uh, office. You had to go through security two or three times. Finally, I'm sitting in this big, huge office with a long desk, just me and my lawyer. These two FBI guys come in. I'll remember to the day I die, the one guy opens up his ID, goes, FBI. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. We're in the FBI building, brother. <laughs> I didn't know where I like, was. Yeah, I figured that, you know, and he throws down a file on the desk. And I'm like, oh, he's he's got a pretty good file on the WWE there, or WWF, and of course, he opens the file and there's my picture, and it's all a file on me. I'm like, oh, oh. Man. <laughs> things got real serious real quick. I'll tell you. Go ahead and joke with the customs people. Definitely don't joke with the FBI. You know. And uh, so they were they were t- actually talking about Macho. They asked me about Macho because he had that drastic uh, weight loss. You know. Yeah, you know, you All know, this was shirts going down, you know, a lot of well, guys started wearing shirts to the ring, yeah, you know?
0: yeah. <laughs> start covering
1: more and more of their body. Some guys were wearing ponchos down there, <laughs> cover everything, <laughs> 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 but, uh, that, uh, they asked me about macho's weight loss. And I was like, well, you know, I, I know the guy's going through a tough divorce. And the, the one that, de- uh, detective go, Hey, I more than a divorce going on there. I'm like, yeah, yes, sir. Uh, you know, but, uh. I didn't have to testify in court or nothing. They, they got what they wanted me out of that interview. But, you know, they were trying to pin it on Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon never told me to take steroids. You know, the, the guy that was giving out the steroids, Zahorian, was a Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission doctor. Yeah. You know, I was looking at, hey, I'm a young guy, and here's the guy I think is a, as a doctor, the State Athletic Commission doctor. And he's the one that's giving out the gas to everybody. I mean, you know, uh, of course, Zahorian ended up uh, doing some time.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it was, and looking back, and this really, because I hadn't thought about this, you know, it's been a decades, uh, when uh, I got these emails and, and some, uh, you know, Twitter comments. And I, I remember just how strange it got there. It it was just and uh, I, I and one story really came to mind that kind of put it in, in perspective for me of, of recalling all that. I remember one time I was over at the studio doing you know doing my usual work during the week on the uh, customizing these markets. And Vince came over and came in the studio. And I'm thinking that that's strange. Why he why would he come in here to watch me do event centers? So I finish up a few of the markets. And he says, hey, hey, pal, uh, talk to you a few minutes, you know, and I'm uh, sure. I mean, we, yeah, OK. So we take a break and he takes me into this room, which is across the hallway. And he's just like, oh, have a seat, pal. You know, you know and uh, he starts asking me. There was a, a woman producer who worked at the facility for a very short period of time. She wasn't there very long and and. I don't She came from had worked in the networks or something like that. And he's asking me all these questions about did she ever come up and ask you about this? Did she ever ask you about that? And it went on for, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And I worked with her briefly. I didn't really know her very well. And no, I mean, she didn't. Have, I never remember her asking me strange questions, any any uh, left. And uh, I have no idea if she was connected to any of this. But it was just so weird that he he, he was like paranoid about this. Well, like maybe she had this... come in because she hadn't been there very long and like she maybe she was a plant or something, you know, trying to gather evidence. Well, and I have what? no idea, but I look back at that was the, one of the strangest one-on-ones I ever had with Vince ever.
1: And the story looking back going around now... the boys, though, Sean, was that yeah. you were the FBI mole. He was probably <laughs> feeling you out, you know. You're deep cover. <laughs> Jim, I wasn't FBI, not FBI, CIA, sir. Oh, that's it. Uh, Or P&P and (laughs) H&M.
0: So, uh, like I said, we didn't really get into that last week. And to this day, uh, like I said, it it wasn't a mystery that the WWF had some idea why the warrior was was the warrior. But I think that a lot of this stuff going on at the time, and the fact that he was not the most, uh, the easiest person to work with at that time in his career, uh, had something to do with it. And, uh, he left the company on November 21st, 1992, which is uh, uh, always interesting because, you know, how many, uh, the trial goes on, it starts in 94, July of 1994. And, and it was, you know, it was serious business. Vince was facing up to 11 years in prison and a, a million and a half dollars in fines and, they couldn't touch him, and they, when it all it would all came and ended, and uh, you know, and they got back to work and doing what they've done since. But uh, it's amazing that two years later the Warriors back <laughs> for a short time, uh, and that was really a debacle. And he didn't stick around very long then, and that was that was pretty much it. But uh, anyway, I hope we I, I hope we shed some light on that. I wasn't believe me, I was not trying to bury it. It's just a it was something like even. I was trying to clear this up. It's taken up some time, but I I didn't want anyone to think that we were just pushing that under the carpet, Jim.
1: Yeah. Well, just to cover some more bases there, Sean, you know, when Vince did go to court, he had neck surgery, he showed up to court in a neck brace, you know, yeah. he, he, got, nice he obviously touch. worked, the had uh, knew the deal. But also the Warrior, he certainly wasn't the only guy taking steroids back in the WWF. I mean, there was a lot of gas going around. Everybody was bench pressing over 500 pounds. There were some powerful big, big men there that, you know, uh, you, you can you go to a bodybuilding contest and you can see one that they test and one they don't test. There's a difference when somebody's on gas Uh, at my biggest i was 312 pounds i had a 505 bench you know wow but of course like i said i'm a cancer survivor too so you you reap what you sow sometimes you mean Dino Bravo may have had some help when the seven hundred fifty pounds look down the roster, brother? I mean, there was uh, <laughs> there was some power, but nobody realized how bad steroids were for you. Nobody yeah. realized what they would do to you. They just re- saw the benefits of taking them. I mean, it made you yeah. bigger, stronger, and faster, and and that's why you don't see them in the Olympics and in the NFL and the NBA. And they're they're trying to cut down, but now the guys are doing the the blood doping and the HGH and other things. So uh you know, and athletics are always going to be guys that, uh, you know, are, are doing that.
0: Yeah. And uh, we've seen uh, the effects
1: of those yeah, well years that's like, of, of using that stuff the, how the, many we've the, lost so many. The Warriors' personality. I mean, there's a reason that term ro- a roid rage. You take yeah. a lot of gas, you know, you're kind of irritable, you know. What yeah. time is it? I'll tell you what time it is, buddy. <laughs> it's quarter to two. Yeah. <laughs> A milkshake and a Big Mac. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh
0: brother, yeah now.
1: Big <laughs> brother.
0: Yeah, and uh, and you mentioned that because when I was doing my research for the uh, the the uh, SummerSlam '92 and in, in the Davy Boy Smith, Bret Hart match, I found some videos and maybe you've seen them of Davy Boy Smith when he couldn't have been I don't know more than fifteen sixteen years old. Uh, Jim, I, he couldn't have weighed more than a buck and a half, and you, I mean. Uh, you look at, uh, what he looked like in the WWF.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. So we'll leave it at that. But, uh, I yeah, hope, I hope we shed some light on that roster and say who didn't have a needle in their ass at one time. And I mean, there's a lot of gas going around cause people didn't, and, and I don't think Vince ever, you know, a lot of people try to put the heat on Vince, the FBI tried to put the heat on Vince where he was like, you have to take gas. You didn't. I think guys just realized if you wanted to stand out, if you didn't want to look small, you had to compete with the rest of the guys. So peer pressure, you were taking yeah. the, the sauce.
0: You wanted to keep, Well, you wanted to keep your job. We know how many positions there were. And if you wanted to uh, compete, because it, it went in a hurry. Now, there were certainly some uh, you know, well-built guys prior to that in, in wrestling, but it wasn't a requirement to succeed. No. Uh, and
1: but, but there he, was guys that were successful I mean look at uh, you know there's there's guys that weren't uh, gone gas that that were successful but yeah. in general I think the majority guys at one point or another tried a little bit of experimented a little bit with steroids
0: yeah well I know when when John Cena came in nobody believed that that he was a uh, you know natural and he uh, you know they said no it's he's for he's the real deal uh, well, but that's one
1: thing they have now yeah. is very stringent testing at the WWE know yeah. oh, I mean for a while, they had the piss testing, but guys were finding somebody with clean pee. You're like Virgil, come here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, poor Virgil was peed out. It was like <laughs> squeezing the last little bit out of a rag. You got some more in there, Virgil. Come on, you know, we're standing there with a case of water, <laughs> right? Yeah. Great and bar. then they got to the point. Uh, you know, they were testing the temperature, but then guys were getting the synthetic pee with a like a little hand warmer that keeps the temperature just right. So now it's to the point that you actually come in. You take your pants down, A guy stands there and watches you pee in a, a bottle. I mean, uh, you know, of course, that's a tough job description Yeah, the official yeah. pee watcher here <laughs> for the W.W. I watch, I watch uh,
0: penises for a living. Yeah, yeah. well, that's there's straight. a
1: couple of guys really want that job. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't... Yeah, we went there, didn't we? <clears throat> <clears throat> in, in the W.W. Poor Brian's just going to have that like... train whistle go over a half hour, Sean, I <laughs> think. <laughs> What oh, are we supposed boy. to talk about? <laughs> well, i tell
0: you, but I, I hope, uh, that's why I'd love to do. I really want to do that WBF podcast. I hope that we will, uh, have that voted on sometime in the, because there, folk, there is voters, so much, you I talk think. about backstory and intrigue. Oh boy. Do we have lots of backstory and intrigue on
1: that? Talk about so, gas. Look at those bodybuilders. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, well, I told you I was at that event in Los Angeles. Oh, it was, it was a, it was a sideshow. It was a circus and I'd love to tell the story. So. We'll put that on a poll someday, but uh, not today. That's not uh, that's not what we're going to be doing here. Um, we did do another poll, though. And uh, what came out on top? Uh, uh, my well, favorite
1: subject, the I, poll stuff.
0: Well, you know, this is, and I wanted, let me just tell everybody what we had on the poll, if you didn't catch it. We had Legends Andy House Cassie with Axel. Axel. No. <laughs> uh, Randy Savage and Elizabeth, again. And then Royal Rumble 1992. Uh, Royal Rumble, won this,
1: uh, by, uh, and 51, down or
0: was 50, it close? Well, 51% of the vote and legends house was, uh, near 40. But uh, G- Jim, I really want to do that, that podcast too, because I know you have so many great stories. I, uh, either, you know, worked with these guys or knew them very closely. A lot of the guys that were, uh, in the house with you. So I, I really hope that, uh, folks want to hear about that one. And that, that, uh, wins a poll sometime soon, uh, down the road. But, uh, that was uh, that's one I definitely yeah,
1: wanted they to. They were expecting a drama. They got a comedy out of that Legend House.
0: Except yeah, but me it's done so well. Almost,
1: me and Tony almost had a fistfight. So uh, yeah. oh, Pipe I and I had the bromance, and me and Tony had a fistfight. So from one extreme to the other. But
0: all of the other personalities in that house so
1: Hillbilly uh, Gene Oakland, Pat Patterson, Howard Finkel, Howard Finkel, <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Hart. I mean, the group and Hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly really impressed me. He's like a Renaissance man. He cooks, he plays music, he writes yeah. music, he sings. Uh, I was really impressed with Hillbilly.
0: He was one of the best groomed hillbillies I've ever met. In my <laughs> he life. Was You Know what I, I mean? Like his his, his overalls were
1: were pressed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he had a great cologne. Guy. I wanted to. You know, I oh man, what Hillbilly was? Hillbilly like six eight. You know, he and and stout too, and very athletic.
0: And and what a, a really nice guy. Nice yeah, guy. I mean, just, isn't he, um, okay. Uh, let's get the train back on the track. The
1: train now? whistle again,
0: right? <laughs> uh, Royal Rumble, 1992. But before we go there, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not, not going to stray too far, though. Uh, but we, I, I think we really need to do a little backstory and intrigue on this one because uh, on the Royal Rumble, the history, because people uh, may have heard of this, but the uh, 1988 Royal Rumble was not, ex- not which was officially the first Royal Rumble, was not the first Royal Rumble. It actually took place in St. Louis at the arena there on October 4th, 1987. And Jim, only uh, less than 2,000 people were there. 1,976 people showed up for this thing. And it was really a, a dry run. Now, uh, Pat right. Patterson was the, uh, the brilliant booker with, with the, the WWE. Uh, folks, if if you don't know about Pat, the, I think you do. If you really know wrestling, you know who one of the uh, the the greatest storytellers and and a lot of the guys. One guy who really came up with all these storylines. They would go to him about finishes and everything. Uh, it's Pat Patterson. This is something he always wanted to do. I mean, there's battle royals, which we know you, all. Let's say there's 30 combatants. They all start in the ring at the same time, and Pat came up with this concept. He thought it would be awesome. To uh, start with, you know, two combatants, and then people coming, and you know, wrestlers coming in every two minutes after that. Well, they tried this uh, kind of a dry run to see how it would work in St. Louis at this event, and it was basically a house show. And I think there were twenty, you know, twenty different uh, wrestlers there, and, and some big names. Uh, but they had it was, a, you know, one of those nights that they had regular matches going on, too. So everybody that was in a match also appeared in the in the Royal Rumble at the end of it. Well, they the last two that were going to be in, in the ring in this uh, were, was one man gang and J.Y.D. Junkyard Dog. Well, they made the mistake that, now they had wrestled earlier in uh, in the evening and then they came out for this. And the idea of this battle uh, royal was that whoever won was going to get a shot at the title in St. Louis down at another event. Well, it, they had announced it to the House even before the royal, uh, this Royal Rumble took place. So the fans were already pissed. And then they were upset over the fact that it, it turned out that it was one-man gang and JYD in the last two standing in the ring. So anyway, the, the message here was that it was a big dud. It didn't go over very well. Uh, this dry run that took place, okay? So that was the, I don't say, well, we won't call it the official, but when they first took this concept and tried it out, it was in St. Louis uh, on October 4th, 1987, all right? Now, let's go to 1988, and we'll keep this brief because because I, what I really want to know, though, Jim, you won that, and what are your recollections of the Royal Rumble, how that was all set, uh, set up, how they explained it to you, and what did the other superstars think of this thing?
1: Well, I don't think anybody realized how big the Royal Rumble was going to become, you know, uh, uh, or how big the WWE would become. You know, you you would just do that show and and do another show. But it was definitely a unique idea because, like you said, Pat Patterson, if not the the best booker ever, one of the, you know, and and it's hard to come up with something new and to come up with something that unique and to be that successful because they had the guts to run with it. Because, yeah. like you said, that the first the first one didn't go real smooth, but it was a good dry run, as a good test run for him, and they kind of tweaked it a little bit and got Junkyard Dog out of the final two guys, and it worked great. <laughs> yeah, got a little shot there, Sean. Yeah, you know, I got to keep you up right on to the
0: ribs. <laughs> oh, uh, you were lucky thirteen. You came in uh, the thirteenth competitor in this thing, and there were only twenty wrestlers in it. But uh, how did they explain this thing to you? You give people some idea because. It's absolute chaos in that ring.
1: Well, it, so. it looks like it, it really is, but it's really controlled chaos. That's for sure. I mean, it's, it's not a real complicated, uh, if you sit down and think about it. Plus you like, I, we talked before, you got the cream of crop of professional wrestlers doing this stuff. They've been doing it for years so they can adapt real quick, but you just remember, you know, what number you go out and who goes out of the ring before you. So if, uh. You know, whoever, DiBiase, just for sake, would go out of the ring before me. As soon as I see Teddy go out, I know who's going to put me out. I go over, I find, what well, was Virgil at the one we're going to talk about. I find Virgil. Virgil tosses me out. So you just got to keep your head on a swivel out there and be aware of, I'm going to follow this guy out and this guy's going to put me out. So you, it's, it's actually a lot easier than some long elaborated singles match where it's just you and another guy and you have a whole bunch of moves. This you only got to remember who I'm putting out and who's putting me out.
0: Yeah, well, uh, this one you stuck around for the whole thing. And uh, at the time, Jim, what did that mean to you? That uh, this was a, a big event, Um well, uh it wasn't on pay-per-view as it's uh been billed as but um it was a, a good push for you what do you what do you recall of that and how did that come down how did you find
1: out about yeah, it I, I realized right off the bat it was a huge push because i mean you know i i was never like we talked before champion world champion intercontinental champion tag team champion but people know i won that first ever royal rumble that's the uh the biggest feather in my cap, and of course, really excited about the 30th anniversary coming up for the Royal Rumble. So, uh, I, wow. even back then, I knew this was a big deal for uh, uh, Jim Duggan. This is a big deal for Hacksaw, and uh, it was. Uh, I tried to make the best of that opportunity.
0: Yeah, and uh, it was. It was a. It was a tremendous push for you. And it, it, I don't know if you thought at the time. Did you? Do you remember saying? I, I think this one's going to stick around. I think people really like it.
1: And I think we all did because it was so unique. Everybody in the back. I mean, a good indication of back in the day of the boys stick around to watch the show. It's a good show. You know, nowadays, I think it's mandatory that after your match, you sit down, you watch the monitor, you watch the rest of the show. Back in the old days, man, boom, this you're done with your match, you're in the shower, you're in the car, you're on your way to the club, you know, but after the Royal Rumble, everybody was hanging around out back. Everybody Everybody's watching it. Everybody wanted to see the reaction. And it was up there in Hamilton, Ontario at uh, Cops County Coliseum, I believe, uh, and man, the uh, the place popped when I won that sucker, and uh, I think everybody realized, hey, we might we might have something hot here.
0: Yeah, well, that's that you're talking about. Ninety-two is uh, that event, but. Um, oh. Which one you talking about? No, so. no, you're right. I, okay. I'm still
1: talking about the one I won. Are you kidding? Okay. Let's talk right. about that some more. <laughs> 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 Let's just keep going,
0: Mooney. Uh, yeah, you're right. It was at the Cops Coliseum in Hamilton on uh, January 24th, 1988. I know that's a, a date that really stands out in your mind. Uh, and also, just another fun fact, of course, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the first winner of the, the first official Royal Rumble, uh, the, the first entrant for uh, the Royal Rumble, was none other than Brett the Hitman Hart. So there's another fun fact for you to start out there. I bet
1: that Uh, got a big pop in Canada.
0: Yeah, Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that had uh, something to do with it, don't you think?
1: Him and Tim Hortons, they love up in Canada. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right, let's get to the main event. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, The Royal Rumble 1992 was the fifth annual Royal Rumble uh, pay-per-view. And it took place on January 19, 1992 at the Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York, not too far from uh, where you hail, uh, Attendance: 17,000 people. And uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, at this point, a pretty well-established uh, event. But what was different this time around is what they would uh, do prior to this is that the winner of that would get a shot at the WWF championship. This one... Uh, was very historic because it was the the winner of the the Royal Rumble would be crowned the WWF champion. So this was a big one, Jim.
1: Yeah, and I tell you, I kind of had my fingers crossed because, like I said, I was right here in Albany, New York. You know, sixty miles from my hometown, right where I'm at. So I figure at least I'm going to have my hometown crowd pulling for me. Yeah. Maybe there's an outside chance they'll let me <laughs> win that sucker, but as Vince would say, no chance in hell
0: <laughs> it's meant to be. And we actually got a question about your, uh, how you vacated the ring that, uh, that day, but we'll get to that as we get down the line here. Uh, if people recall their history, uh, the reason this all happened was because there was all kinds of, uh, uh, chicanery going on, uh, involving the WWF championship, uh, the stripping of the title. And, uh, they had decided that they were going to, uh, have the winner of it uh, become the outright champion. Uh, but there were some other matches on this card, and w- let's get through these uh, real quick, Jim, because I know people remember them. It wasn't just the Royal Rumble. Uh, there was a dark match on the card. The reason I bring this up: it was Chris Walker against the Brooklyn Brawler. The folks remember the Brooklyn Brawler? I don't know if you remember a guy named Chris Walker, but uh, he was an enhanced monster, uh, to say the least. Do you remember this guy?
1: I really don't. I, I was looking at that. Uh, I I took your advice and uh, you know did Google the the '92 Royal Rumble, and I I can't place Chris Walker, but well,
0: uh, I, when I saw this match because it you know it's, it wasn't on the uh, the broadcast and it was uh-huh. but it's on the card, so I looked him up and I just wanted to see. He is huge. Uh, and he's uh, certainly on par with uh, with the Ultimate Warrior, and uh, apparently. That wow, alone got him a shot. I mean, he was, he was
1: uh, you know. And they uh, pushed him, all right, to put him over to Brawler. I mean,
0: Well, they gave him a shot, and a yeah. uh, couple of shots in 91 and 92, but as we have seen, uh, sometimes it's not just
1: what you look like. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tougher than you think. And Steve Lombardi, now there's a guy that a lot of people give a hard time to, but he's been a survivor. He hung around the WWEF probably as long as just about anybody.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was close friends with um, with Pat Patterson yeah, and which pushes uh, you know. all
1: kinds of rumors. And in yeah. the windows and stuff. But and the way know, he got
0: but, pushes. Yeah. And that was yeah. unfair.
1: But uh, it was unfair. I tell you, he, he was a good hand and put they made him that baseball character one time. I mean, they did. They put different gimmicks on him and uh, he would take it and, and make it work for him we yeah. where, enough, where he said this other Walker guy he came out he had all the tools in the world but he couldn't hang around a month
0: yeah and that's and that's true I mean uh, the brawler if he was if he wasn't able to keep up with these guys in the ring and he was very good at, at uh, helping to put them over and he still. With with the company. well, that
1: was his job. You know, that's what I tell yeah. the young guys. It's your job if you're in there to put somebody over. Put them over. Don't worry about getting your stuff in. Your job is to make the other guy look good. So you go out there. Don't worry about. I got to get my stuff in. Worry about getting the other guy over. Yeah, and absolutely. Brawler was very good at that. Yeah,
0: but there are, there were some notable matches in this. We'll start with the the first one that was you know on this card that night uh, for the pay per view. The New Foundation. Uh, You know, featuring Jim, the the Anvil, Nightheart, and Owen Hart. Uh, If you remember at the time, you know Brett was now going solo, and this was uh, you know a a, a chance for Owen, uh, one of the most gifted. Uh, professional wrestlers I ever saw. I, I think Jim, you might you might agree with me on that. Yeah, definitely underrated,
1: you know, he yeah. was overshadowed by Brett, you know, I mean, just because Brett was in there first, and Brett was so good. I mean, no matter how good Owen was, it was be very, very hard to surpass uh, Brett,
0: yeah. And uh, they took on the Orient Express, which was comprised of Tanaka and Sato uh, and Mr. Fuji at Mr. ringside. Fuji, the diabolical
1: one, yeah, and Hard. you know, you got to put Night over. He was. That's how he got his name, the Anvil. He threw some anvil, some record distance uh, out west somewhere. He was a powerful guy, and he'd be there yanking on that pointy beard of his. I mean, uh, that was a good tag team.
0: Yeah, and that uh, who who I still hear his laugh. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, still, that, yeah. Uh, maniacal laugh of his. Right. Yeah, and it's great to see his
1: <laughs> daughter doing so well now. Yeah,
0: yeah. As it is, it's awesome to see these these guys come up. But at the time, it was good. I think we all felt this way that, uh, to see Owen, you know, uh, watching him perform. I, I just remember, I would just be amazed. I used to go out. I would, I wouldn't just stay in the back. I would want to come out and watch him. And I'd kind of sneak around, you know, outside of the curtain just so I could watch him because he was just incredibly entertaining. And, uh, I thought, you know, if you just looked at them, I mean, Brett certainly had that, uh, the persona, maybe the charisma that may, may have been a little bit different as far as that, you know, capturing, uh, a the, crowd's guy. the girls
1: love Brett, man. He
0: was yeah. a handsome guy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Owen was certainly as skilled in the ring. And I know a lot of the boys felt the same way.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, well, the hearts, you know, they, they came up from the dungeon there in Calgary with Stu Hart teaching them about wrestling and having their own wrestling company. Yeah. If, if they weren't good, that'd be like saying the Von Ericks weren't good. You know, if you grow up in a family like the hearts of the Von Ericks, you better be a good wrestler.
0: But getting off the tracks. Did you ever spend any time in the dungeon? Dungeon? Did you ever get up no, there to the heart? No, I, the... Never,
1: I never. I never worked for Stu. Thank goodness. No, never was. <laughs> I worked in Calgary a few times, but never uh, for Stu. But you know, that was his deal. He'd, oh, come on, you're a big bastard. Come here. Let me see if I can get this hold on you. And, and stretch he'd stretch like you a like little. a sleeper in, and he'd lock it in on you, man. He was vicious. And of course, if you let somebody put a hold on you, you're asking for it, you know. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, Stu, and, and Stu a wasn't a real
0: big guy either. I mean. Oh, no. uh... You, know, you don't have
1: to be if somebody yeah. let you know. The, you stick your head out and let them wrap your arms around your neck. You, you're kind of asking <laughs> for it, you know. But, yeah. He doesn't and, need and a then, chair to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And once Stu had you going, he wouldn't let loose, man. He'd take you down. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, so and I just yeah. heard about it, so I you know, SMU guy. I didn't go to the dungeon.
0: <laughs> but you know, there there's some people, Jim, and I'm sure you've been near them before. But when you're just when you're near them, you know they're dangerous. You know. Oh yeah. And, uh, and sure. not, the nicest I'm guy in the world, but you just sometime. knew. He could hurt you, and Larry oh, yeah. the Axe was the same way. Kurt's yeah, yeah. father. you bad know? News Brown, there were some bad cats walking around that dressing room. Those floor. guys had the, they had those hands when they shook your hand, yeah. it was like uh, you know a hand in the form of a rock, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: there was just yeah, a bunch of bananas. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, But you know, but it was before really a, you, before we go yeah. too far off track, Sean. I got <laughs> gotta say one thing about that uh, the the Royal Rumble there in uh, Albany at the, the Nick. Yep. That was the best wrestling poster ever. <laughs> you know what? That Royal Rumble poster with all the guys walking down the street, Macho yeah. Jake, Hogan, Sarge in the background, me, the road warriors. I mean, that's one of the most iconic wrestling posters I've ever seen. I love that poster.
0: That, I'm, I'm so, so funny you said that. It is my all-time favorite. I it, love that poster. It is a I good do.
1: poster. It yeah. is boss man earthquake. I mean, it, it, it's a flares in there. It's a great poster. I, I, I sign, I sign a lot of those at uh, comic cons. People bring them up. Uh,
0: okay. Can I, I hold just had to throw minute.
1: that in? It's a drawing. It makes everybody look good.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really, it's one of my favorites. Of, I love that poster. Uh, but, but it was a, it was an entertaining match. Um, and as I mentioned, Owen got a chance to really show off his skills in this, in this encounter. And uh, you know, it, it just, it, I just keep thinking about about all the different things. That, I mean, they it seemed they really wanted to put him over, and they and there was so many different uh, gimmicks they stuck him with. You know, the blue blazer, and then he was the rocket here, and I just don't know. I don't understand why it just never set no, in. I mean, he did so many things. He was champion, and uh, but I just think you know, I'm I, and I please, folks. I'm not downplaying what. Owen Hart accomplished in the oh, W a
1: very successful career. Yes.
0: Yes. But I, I just always felt like this, he is a, he is a, as she could, should be as huge as his brother. And, yeah. uh,
1: yeah, but, but there's uh, no set formula. I mean, like I said, there's a guy with all the talent, all the tools, but, and was very successful, just never made it to the top, top cream of the crop though. he he had it. So there's, you know, it's, there's no set formula what it takes to be, uh, be the top guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll say the the one really bad thing though about the the new foundation were those outfits, <laughs> the, the bad genie, uh, MC yeah. Hammer themed. What? <laughs> the well, heck? That was hot Are those back jackets? then, brother. Come on, man. that was that was in. I think that I was, even wore that
1: stuff. No. I think that was was that pre-Zubas because they <laughs> were the trend Zuba, right man. there. And yeah. you know, of course, the other team there with Tanaka and Fuji and uh, who was Kato or. Sato who's, who, who's Tanaka Tanaka. Yeah, that was Tanaka good uh, Sato. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good dinner. And, and that match went pretty long. Cause I mean, you had some real talented guys out there uh, yeah. flying around.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, the, if you remember the, the, uh, the one spot in it, it you know, Owen uh, goes flying across the ring and Fuji had put his cane up on the, uh, on the rope and he smashes through the cane. And you look at that back then people are like, Oh, Whoa. Oh, you know, um. uh, now look what they do you know yeah. like three yep. stories <laughs> up onto a table through flaming uh you know right. uh, yeah. when they goals. call for a
1: guillotine it's not a wrestling yeah. hold an actual guillotine nowadays <laughs> yeah. yeah. this will get over chop his head off
0: yeah but uh you know that was you could and then the sound of it and then you have all these you know i mean it looked like it just missed his eye when he went through this thing but uh that was kind of the the big spot of that and um uh then he, you know, launches Owen out of the ring uh, to take out Sato. Uh, Owen goes, you know, uh, Neidhart throws him out of the ring, and then uh, Rocket comes back in, and then they do what they call the Rocket Launcher uh, to get the pin. So um,
1: maybe that tag
0: team could have gone somewhere, but Neidhart was gone like a month later, and then again, Owen's off on his own.
1: Yeah, so well, Jim Jim was wound kind of tight. He's another guy which you, which you saw uh, on camera was the way Jimmy was. I mean, he was he was wound pretty tight sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's. I know you've got some uh, sidetrack stories. I know you got some stuff off the rails on on uh, the anvil, but maybe you're going to save those for those, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Save those, right? right. Now uh, your uh, your brother Roddy uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper in the next matchup against the Mountie. What a strange Uh, matchup, huh? Well, remember this was uh, for the Intercontinental Championship, and uh, they had this is this is a really strange setup too. I don't know if this was a storyline they had to hurry along or what, but they set this up by they had you know Brett uh, they had him losing uh, the title in Springfield, and there was a lot going on with uh, with with Brett Hart at the time because there were all these rumors floating around that he was going to go down to the WCW. This was in, you know, we're talking 92 because, you know, the, 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 screw job didn't happen for like, you know, five years later, but there was all these rumblings. And anyway, they were going to having Brett, uh, give up the title in an untelevised match a few days before. Cause remember he was supposed to be sick. He had 105 degree temperature. And, and so the Mountie takes advantage of this and gets the title. And then Piper had, you know, because then he starts beating Brett with the belt this is in Springfield. It wasn't a, a televised match, but of course, gee, I wonder where that camera came from. And uh, so it was—it was on video. And he's beating Brett up with the belt, and then Piper comes in and saves him, and which sets up this battle for the uh, the Intercontinental Championship at uh, at this event. So that's why that was kind of a strange pairing. Uh, the Mountie was not going to hold on to this thing for very long. But I know that you know, I remember. You know, Talking to him, he was thrilled. I mean, just anytime you get a chance to do that, right, Jim? That's a big deal, even if it's going to be for you know one match.
1: Yeah, and of course nowadays everything you do is tape. So, but but back then, uh, like I said, it was funny that they had a camera there for that, right?
0: Yeah. Well, as always, I mean, it's like you're not going to believe this uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> But we do have it on video. Imagine that. Now, now you could get away with that because you'd say, you know, got this on somebody's cell phone, right?
1: But right. Then, yeah. Well, they can't do anything without being on camera nowadays, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, as uh, uh, Hulk Hogan would attest to as far as. Oh, wow. Uh, wow, no, just the shot. I'm just saying now. You that's a whole even... other two or three <laughs> matches or right. stories or okay. podcasts. But but, but you've mentioned before like, that you can't go anywhere with do anything outside in public without somebody pointing their phone at you to capture, you know, something that they might be able to sell to somebody or get some fame out of. And it's, inc- it's
1: crazy. What are you going to do? That's the way of the future. Yeah, it sure is.
0: Uh, but this, uh, you know, uh, as you, if you know how uh, Roddy style, it was uh, uh, frantic and, uh, <laughs> and quick. That wasn't uh, just the style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rowdy. <laughs> yeah, he uh, you know, he, he you know battling the mounty this is going to be a quick change and it was uh he takes out uh the mounty pretty quickly and then of course you know Jimmy comes in with the shocker remember uh the, the mounty would come in with the had that shocker stick that he right uh-huh. and, uh and Jimmy runs in and of course is uh unarmed pretty quickly by Roddy and then he ends up giving the mounty a shocker uh, and and you know jim we actually got a a, a question uh, one wanted to know if that was uh, a real one so yeah i'm going to let you clear that up
1: a real shocker <laughs> yes it, it definitely was a re- real real shocker and yeah. with piper you know you never know going out there if there's batteries in it or not you know so uh, get a good reaction if it really shocked him. That's for sure. But,
0: uh, well, but I
1: tell you, speaking of Jimmy Hart, uh, there's a guy that's right there, right on cue, right at the right moment. He's supposed to be there. A true professional, Jimmy. You know, like he gets overlooked sometimes by Bobby the Brain or overshadowed by Bobby the Brain and stuff like that. But I think Jimmy was he was always right on the spot.
0: Oh yeah, and and we we've talked about doing a, a podcast because you know you worked with. Uh, or worked with Jimmy, was around him a lot. I saw him a lot because he was at the TV studio uh,
1: doing a lot with us and yeah, also on everything.
0: Yeah. yeah, and just really one of the most talented
1: talented individuals in the, the WWE. Whatever profession I owned, I would want a guy like Jimmy Hart working for me. He's always going 110 miles an hour. He's on the cell phone, on the beeper, on the computer. He's a hardworking man. Yeah,
0: and he still looks great. He still only... looks
1: great. Yeah, Jimmy Scott's looks good.
0: Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you're good. It's better to uh, look good than to feel good, as they say, right? (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, Roddy locked that up with a sleeper hold. And uh, this was interesting. That was the first time Roddy Piper ever held the Intercontinental title. That's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. And and, and, uh, that was... I mean, we know we know how we all feel about Roddy, so
1: that was uh, that was fun to watch. Right. Uh, the I got along okay with Jock Jock Rougeau, the Mountie. You know, a lot of people didn't like him and Raymond, and there was a lot of heat there, obviously between him and the Bulldogs. But Jock was a good hand himself.
0: Well, you know what was that? Uh, since we're going to go there, um, <laughs> is why? that a train I mean, whistle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Why was that though? Because I really, I thought they were great guys. I don't think that they were there to stir up trouble ever. Maybe I, I didn't, uh, hear some of the, the other things that went on on the road, but outside of that issue, which is, uh, still debated today on, on what really happened as far as, uh, you know, we know how it ended, the ambush. but what was, why did they have so much heat?
1: uh who knows you know everybody doesn't get along with everybody and you know yeah. there's just personal conflicts between people and you know that whole thing uh you know the uh, dynamite uh, kind of started it with slapping uh jock around uh and jock couldn't take him straight up you know one-on-one so they waited down the road and obviously him and his brother raymond uh, got the payback in yeah but,
0: do you think that he really had he had to do something uh, as yeah, far like as he was concerned, he, he lost to all respect you and credit
1: got to stand up for yourself and you know, if he couldn't take him up straight on face, I mean, he had to do something because uh, he was getting pushed around uh, quite a bit. And uh, you know, so there you know there's obviously two sides of the story, but uh, you know I could I could see Jock's point now, should the uh, the two of them knocked out Dynamite's teeth in an ambush? Uh, maybe not, you know, but I see you had to, you had to do something and back then something, you didn't go complain to Vince. You did something physical. It's a physical business. A lot of things get handled between the men. We didn't have that wrestler's court like they have now, where they all sit around and BS with each other. If you have a personal problem, you take care of it.
0: Yeah, it was the wrestler's code.
1: Yeah. And, right. uh, and yeah, now I, mean, I guess they have, which is probably, you know, more civilized and probably, you know, better for the boys. They have that wrestler's court. And I guess, uh, taker was the, the judge on that. So you could have a better judge for forever.
0: Yeah. Well, and you have to stay healthy, uh, as tough as you may be or whatever. You still, you could take, you know, 10 guys, but in, what, what does it do to your, your body in the process? So, right. You said you got to keep working. Back on uh, track, Sean. All right, here we are. <laughs> uh, I see the station. Uh, the Bushwhackers, uh, you know, always. I love them. Uh, yeah, it, Yo! It, Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. Right. Uh, they were there, of course, for comic relief. Uh, but as you mentioned, they these guys could handle themselves in the ring. Uh, they they understood what their gimmick was, and they sold it tremendously well. I didn't really particularly like being licked, which I was on several occasions in different countries, but they were, you know, they were doing
1: the licking. <laughs> <laughs> was that a shot? Yeah, that was a shot, Sean. <laughs> I'm catching up on points. <laughs>
0: yeah, you are uh, yeah. against the Beverly brothers. We've talked about them, how they, they got a pretty good push, but uh, this was kind of the beginning of the end for them. at as, as it started at SummerSlam, uh, taking on the, the, the Bushwhackers here. Um, Sure, but, you
1: said in the early, like the, the comic relief, but you know, you can't have a whole show of guys out there chopping meat, beating the hell out of each other. You need that little bit of uh, light entertainment. And boy, those guys really brought it to whackers.
0: Yeah. Well, and then also to add to this, and I, I was trying to uh, put the timeline together uh, the time there, this was around the time that they were pushing Bobby with the Bobby Heenan show and, um, you know, have them, having him do these other things. And, do you remember the the sidekick Jameson, who they put on this the show with him, uh, who was kind of this nerdy, comical character? I, he reminded me of Jerry Lewis, kind of the. I thought that professor. was you, Sean? <laughs> no, you know, and, I, and I'm surprised a lot of people. That might have been another uh, younger younger brother, but uh, <laughs> no, I want to clear that up right now. That that wasn't me, uh, but this this uh, is another sidetrack sto- side story as far as what Vince... Vince would get enamored with, with people that were outside of wrestling. Um, the, you know, Jameson, he was a stand-up comic that apparently Vince had seen at a club in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, he brought him in to because he just thought he was funny. And I don't know if they knew what the heck they are going to do with him. And he ended up on the show with Bobby. And uh, the guy's real name is John... Uh, Digiacomo, did Digiacomo, and he said in an interview that uh, they that everything they did, everything he did with Bobby was improv. Well, that, that doesn't really surprise me, uh, but I think that they reined him in a little bit more than he than he tries to let everybody believe. But the thing about him, like working with putting him with Bobby, and this is why I didn't think that that show worked, is that Bobby needed a straight man. Bobby needed somebody to play off with. Play That's off, why yeah. so well with Gorilla. Well, you put two. What supposed what you're calling comedians together, it doesn't. You 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 have nobody to play off of. I mean, you could make how long could you make fun of him as a the kid as a nerd or whatever, you know. That's why I didn't think that that worked. Bobby needed somebody to to uh, who was a straight man to to set him up with stuff, and these are two guys. You know, Jameson was trying to be as funny as Bobby, and it, and it just it didn't oh, yeah. work.
1: You- you got to have the one straight guy for sure. Yeah. You can't have two characters out there. And of course, especially when Bobby's the best character there can be. So, uh,
0: yeah, but it was the same thing with other things with Vince. That's how he brought in Todd Pettengill, who was a, a very successful, uh, radio show host in, in New York. And I believe he's still on the air with Scott Shannon. They had a very successful morning show and Vince listened to them. And so he really thought Todd was, was, uh, uh very talented and, and brought him in. And he was, you know, he could do great impressions, and, uh, you know, he was with the WWF uh, for a while, and also Rob Bartlett. Do you remember Rob Bartlett? He was, he did some Raws uh, when they first started. Uh, he was from the Imus show, and, and he was uh, in for a very, what do they say, a cup of coffee. But uh, it was just always, it was interesting to me that he would find these people and bring them
1: in and, and uh, you know, Try was, and make them work. He's not They're afraid done. to try different things. That's for Roman, sure.
0: Yes, I, I would be included in that mix because.
1: Yeah. Me too. <laughs> that's, yeah,
0: that's where I came from. But it was uh, getting back to the match. The, you know, it was a silly match. I mean, it was, it was a, from battering rams, and uh, then Genius goes over and slaps Jameson at ringside. Uh, the Beverly Brothers trip up. They have to cheat to to win this, and they get the pin. uh, You know. Luke gets pinned and then the bushwhackers chase the, the Beverly brothers out of the ring. And then they bring in Jameson to get his revenge on the genius. And of course he doesn't have the, you know, the moxie or the ability to punch him. So what does he do? He kicks the genius in the shin and (laughs) there you go. Big finish. I I bet
1: the crowd enjoyed it though. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) not. So
0: again, then we got back to some real action. Legion of doom. My favorite uh, tag team. Think of, uh, of all time. I love those guys. Hawk and animal talking about uh, demolition was right yeah demolition was right up there but uh those guys i just thought were tremendous and you're right i loved uh hextran's uh you know what a rush you know the, oh man you just hear that but it's, so good at promos maybe that's one of the reasons i liked them so much yeah they were they were good in the
1: ring they had the good look and, and yeah. Yeah, they were believable, that's for sure. <laughs> when those two guys walked down the aisle away, you're not like, oh, Joe at the gas station can beat him up. No. Yeah, when those uh, guys walked down, you're like, holy smokes.
0: <laughs> but it's fun to watch this one because they go against the natural disasters. I mean, and here you have yeah. these two behemoths in Hawk and Animal facing yeah. earthquake and typhoon. And of not course, it's hard to think side work.
1: They're drop kicks, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but you know, we mentioned before that, uh, you know, John 10th, was, uh, you know, uh, earthquake, Agile he man. could move. I mean, he really, you know, he does, there was one point at the beginning of that match where, uh, he's standing, uh, you know, toe to toe with, with Hawk and, um, he leaps up and does a, a drop kick that misses. And, but he, I mean, he probably got three, four feet off the ground, but his whole body and you know, that God, I fish. thought was a pretty amazing feat. Yeah. Considering he weighed four hundred and sixty something pounds,
1: I've I've never dropped kicked. Uh, <laughs> not a chance in hell. <laughs> You've been dropped drop out. Some, I drop kick somebody in the shin like uh, the guy kicked yeah. Lanny. <laughs>
0: no, but I was uh, again amazed at those at those guys and just that that they could move the way they did. And same with uh, with Typhoon. Uh, you yeah, know, well, I think
1: yeah, I think Earthquake was a little more agile than Typhoon, but both of them. I mean, talk about powerful. I mean, just you know, size equals strength and, and as strong as Hawk and animal were, they were the weaker team in the ring that night.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I want to say though about, you know, about the LODs that, um, they were really great guys. Uh, I, I, I spent a lot of time with them in the in interview rooms and, and, uh, really, I, um, I didn't get on the road with them as, as and, and, experience life like that. But, I really just thought they were great guys, and I mentioned when I saw Joe at the a thousandth episode, he was just uh, so awesome. I hadn't seen him in you know I don't know how many twenty years or whatever, and it was uh, uh, it was like it was yesterday, and it, it was yeah. just and, uh, and it's just and a were, shame
1: what happened with with uh, with Mike. Oh, yeah, and they were very good friends. The two of them were were very tight, you know. But yeah, I'll tell you a, a quick little story though. I was driving one time up. We had a little tour in the Midwest. And I usually had the nasty boys with me, but Greg the Hammer took the nasty boys, and I had Hawk with me. So after about two days driving, I pulled up to Greg. I'm like, "Greg, I'll gladly trade you one Hawk for two nasty boys." I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't take it <laughs> anymore. Couldn't more. take Hawk, man. I mean, he, but uh, ended up really? ro- rode with what? Greg. You know, yeah. So yeah, if I could switch to c- a Hawk for the nasty boys, that gives you an idea where you're going, man. <laughs> well, you got to give us more detail than that. Well, you know, Hawk was, you he was was kind of in character all the time. There were six of them. I pulled them out of the car. I beat them one at a time. (laughs) Not my cool brother, you know. (laughs) I tied my legs together and one arm. And I got on a motorcycle. The we drove all through London. Yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you about the Hells Angels? Right. I mean, but. Oh, uh, what he, a rush. I tell you, though, he Hawk would stick with you. If you were in a sticky situation in a nightclub or a bar sometimes, you know, you turn around, yeah. Jake would be gone. <laughs> Old Hawk be standing right there with you, you know. Jake, I yeah. went out to get the car, get a cigarette.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'd go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, man. That's got to be a T-shirt, Jim. I'm writing this down. I'll trade you one. I'll trade, I'll trade you, you one, one hawk,
1: hawk for two nasty boys. <laughs> I'll gladly trade you one <laughs> hawk for two nasty boys. <laughs>
0: and and, and, and I, it's, it had to be just horrible, considering the stories I have heard over the years about what it was like to hang with the nasty boys. It's it yeah. really...
1: I got along with the nasties. Everybody had a limit of the nasty boys. You yeah. know, Hogan, he had like a two-month limit. <laughs> I had like a three-day limit. Boss man had like a three-second limit. (laughs) He'd walk in the room. They're like, hey, big fat man. How you doing, big fat man? (laughs) Boss man turned around and walked out. And I'm like, boss, (laughs) you got so much stuff to come back on. Just attack. (laughs) Yeah, then he
0: knew how long it would take. Yeah, yeah. Like a prison sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Now I already served my time, brother. (laughs) Got to get out of here. Go straight to heaven. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, in th- in this case, uh, Hawk took care of a uh, uh, business. Um, uh, they, and you know, another thing I want to mention though that um, you mentioned how strong these guys were, and I don't know how they got there. I mean, I'm let's we're not debating that. But there's there's one part of this match where Joe or Animal picks up Earthquake, and it's like a fifty pound sack of potatoes. It makes it look easy. He picks him up, Jim, and just like, and then you know he sells it because he falls back and gets slammed in the process but I was just I was thinking like yeah he was unbelievably strong right. I, I remember one time he moved they had a a, a huge trunk in one of the um, interview rooms that somebody had put in the wrong place and I remember I think it was I think it was filled with those weights they put on cameras to balance them I mean it had to weigh I, I think it weighed like a thousand pounds it, to me to try and move that it was part of the arena it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> And he like used one i i well probably two arms, but he moved this thing eight feet like it was nothing
1: <laughs> I was like but to go back uh, to the ring stuff, though, about getting Quaker up in the air, you know, that's a two-man deal. You know, Quaker goes up for you, too. I mean, he was a yeah, pro, and yeah, uh, like Hogan got Andre up. If, he, if you're in there with another pro, it's a whole lot easier than, you know, some guys, it's like trying to pull a truck out of the mud. You're like, <laughs> the guy weighs 200 pounds, you can't lift him up. But big Quaker, 400 pounds, he goes up nice and easy.
0: Yeah, and you see those guys when they do the, uh, over the you know, the military press uh, yeah, you need a little help there.
1: That's impressive there, though. But no but Even how you sell is
0: help. if it doesn't look like
1: you, you know, they're helping
0: you, then you you're damn good. Uh, yeah, and sometimes
1: right? yeah, some guys are just strong enough to forget the help. They just push you up there anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we we got to keep moving here because <laughs> again, <laughs> we're gonna have
0: four parts. Uh, it was a good brawl though, and, and and LOD they were the tag team champions, and they end up they get counted out. But of course, if you know the rules. Uh, they retain their titles. So, uh, don't change it. All, all ended now. well. Yes. All ended well. Um, but uh, I remember watching some of these interviews uh, and doing these interviews at the time. Um, and when they, the the uh, after this match, you know, the natural disasters are, of course, outraged that they didn't get the titles because LOD was counted out and they're with Jimmy. And so, you know, we do, as I mentioned before, everybody knows uh, about the pre-tapes. We do pre-tapes to do a lot of these interviews beforehand, but after a match, you can't really do that. Okay. So we do these live and I remember they went to me early before. I think the guys were even in the room and I'm like, uh Oh, (laughs) this is, this is on, this is a go Mooney. And uh, I, I was thinking, okay, well, I, I guess I'll just, you know, recap the match. And, but anyway, they got in there and, uh, You know, they, they did their bit and they were outraged and Jimmy was, you know, going crazy. Uh, but what I, what I want to tell you though, is that the rooms were not really big and earthquake and typhoon are large humans. And, uh, as with Andre, you had to be careful uh, when you were around them because one turn is not like running into, uh, somebody who weighs 170 pounds. I mean, they have girth, I think is the best word. And there were a few times I remember doing interviews with, where that one of them would turn, and it would just be a little bump, and I, it, you'd, you know, you'd go five feet, and so when you're doing a live interview like that, you've got to, you, it's a dance, you have got to be careful. And if you watch <laughs> that thing, you see me. I'm like it's stepping all over because yeah. I don't know where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> and it,
1: well, it's good to stay out from underfoot of those guys too. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, well, that's true. Uh, anyway. As we mentioned, now we're going to start getting into uh, the uh, the big event here. Um, I don't think we missed any other matches here. So, uh, the Royal Rumble with uh, thirty of the uh, the biggest names. Uh, you know, this th- I think this remains such a classic too, uh, Jim, because it was. There were some great people, uh, great wrestlers in this, great superstars in this match, and they did a lot to get this thing all set up. Um, they, you know, they uh, prior to the event they had announced the winner of the Royal Rumble would be would win the vacant uh, WWF heavyweight title um, because they had all these, you know, they they had stripped uh, Hulk Hogan after uh, controversial title switches between Hogan and the Undertaker, uh, the '91 uh, Survivor Series, and and later at that Texas pay per view event, and so they were they were at, they were entrants in this, and then Tunney. Uh, gave Hogan and Undertaker, They, you know, one of the, part of the thing was that they would get special, you know, entrance numbers. They would uh, be one of the, you know, I think the final four that would go in. Um, anyway, um, so that that was the setup to this. Um, they get numbers between 20 and 30, okay? So uh, in his book, To Be the Man, Ric Flair said that he did not know he was going to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert, though, folks, but I'm figuring it this time. You've seen it, okay? Um, <laughs> until arriving at the arena that day. Do you buy that, Jim? Do you think that he
1: had no, He says an hour before the Yeah match. Uh, Yeah, because even back then, you know, of course, nowadays, they got to be very co- quiet because you tell them who's going to go over somewhere. It's all over the Internet before well, anything. Yeah, but back chance. then, of course, you didn't have that. But still, they wanted to keep things kind of quiet. If, if Flair didn't know for sure... I think he had a a good indication that he may be, because he's the type guy you want as as world champion. You know, uh, Rick's a class act, and he makes a great world's champion. So, you know, he might have not known for sure, but I think, the you know, he probably had a good indication he might be the guy. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, they there was talk that they were going to have him, you know, uh, come in as the first uh, entrant, and then, you know, it would be this great big thing when he lasted the whole thing. And then I think they kind of realized like, come on, we got to make it somewhat, you know, so he gets the, he becomes the number three, uh, in order to, you know, so they could showcase his, uh, that's a
1: long time in the ring.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I want you to get in that because into that, because, uh, yeah, that was uh, a, a long time uh, that he ended up, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and you got, you're working the whole time. I mean, there's times you, you can take some spots, uh, you know, you can move out of the way for it, but not really because you've got to keep it moving. And um, uh, the, the whole thing, let's just get to it with how it all started. You know, Tony comes out, does the, you know, states the rules. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk about that is when Tony was going out of the ring, Bobby had one of the greatest lines ever, and he said, yeah. Tunney is the best president since Noriega. I mean, <laughs> that's, I, that was, you know, he was definitely on uh, for this, this event. Uh, oh. Davey boy gets the first draw. Uh, he was first in the ring and Ted, uh, a million dollar man is, is the second. Okay. So, uh, Jim, I'm going to kind of let you take us through this cause we're not, I, we, we are not going to go through every single entrance and what happened and who got thrown out of there. But, uh, can you uh, please I want to hear your memories of this from the, the time, you know, knowing about this was coming up, how you prepare for something like this. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, people just when you see it, it just looks like mad, like just in complete chaos. And what do these guys know what they're doing and what, you know, so uh, as much as you can reveal on this, uh, take us through uh, what you recall of this one.
1: Well, you know, to to go back to what you were were first talking about with Flair being out there a long time, uh, Sean, I tell you, Flair's a master of that. You know, back in the day when he was the NWA world champion, he would go to all the small territories and wrestle the top uh, babyface in that territory. And of course, you couldn't beat the top babyface, and you couldn't beat the NWA champion, so you'd have to go the one-hour time limit draws. And the only time in my whole career that I've went the one-hour time limit draws was was back in Mid-South. I went to Five Nights with Ric Flair, one hour, and he would do that every night. He would go to the Mid-South uh-huh. Territory, to Georgia, to you know Minnesota, and go that one-hour time limit draw. He was the the master of that. So to have him go that long at the Royal rumble, that was uh, a perfect for Rick, you know, even though he always goes, woo, you know, woo. I'm like, Rick, are your trunks too tight or what? Woo. <laughs> Gotta go. Well, <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and give, give us some idea though. really, how difficult is that? I mean, how, what kind of shape do you have to be, be in? Because, you know, I still to this day have, uh, you know, disagreements with people, I'll call them, they, who, who'd say, oh, yeah. And it's not that not, not that they, you know, they don't respect whatever, but they don't they don't understand what it takes to to do something like a match like this to go an hour.
1: An hour is an extremely long time out there. I mean, but, you know, a guy like Rick can can take a a relatively young guy when I was doing it and and walk you through it. But, I mean, just to to do anything for an hour, just stand and talk to people for an hour, you know, just to, to, to try to entertain folks for an hour, doing anything is hard. And just to have, you know, two wrestlers out in the ring trying to keep people's attention for a whole hour. And Rick could do that. You know, there'd be false finishes where you're sure, you know, he's going to win or yeah. he's going to lose. You know, one, two, yeah, yeah. and at the last minute kick out. I mean, yeah. he had some great false finishes. And uh, it's a true art form. And that's why Flair's got to be one of the, the top three of all time. Okay.
0: Now, I know uh, people want to know about this. Um and as much as you will reveal to us in this, and and you tell me when you don't know, want to talk about more. But uh, how do you? Uh, there's 30 people eventually, and you've got different groups in there. Um, how this works? Um, the, the, the drawing? Did they actually? You know how how that goes down? Uh, what? Oh, it's
1: a, it's all yeah. When you get there, yeah. there's no drawing to it. You know, Pat and yes, whoever absolutely. they went through it have already have the list made up and they come in there you go up you check the board see where you're at you see who's like we were talking earlier who's going to put you out you go over and find him you're like hey brother you're going to we do this spot to put me out and you go find the guys you're going to put over and you work out the spot together that you're going to use to put him out of the ring and then like i said once you get into the ring bingy to bing you're doing the match you keep your eye out for the guy that goes out before you Boom, he goes out. They tell you, you go out like a minute later or five minutes later. You kind of judge the time. You find the guy in the ring that's going to put you out. You grab him. You'll say, let's do our spot. Bang the bang of the boom. You do your spot and you're out of the ring. So it, it's actually uh, easier. Those big, uh, chaotic looking matches are easier for the talent than just a single match, actually.
0: Yeah. But, and what about the, the and spacing in there, especially when you've got a oh, lot of very, guys?
1: Yeah. You know, very dangerous. You... If you notice, you, you don't see a whole lot of flying around because you don't want to land on somebody else. It's not that you're going to hurt yourself if you give a drop kick or you take a hip toss or a backdrop, but you're going to land on somebody's knee or ankle and blow out their leg. So you got to be very careful uh, out there. It's, it's dangerous in the ring. And you know, back in the old days, there'd be a lot of horseplay going out in the in the battle royals. But the Royal Rumble, that was a whole different level, and there there was no horseplay. You were taking care of business.
0: And do you remember? Were there any uh, incidents where uh, somebody missed those two inches uh, in that one, or did it go?
1: Uh, oh, pretty, sure. I, I mean, well? uh, yeah, nothing ever goes smooth, brother. Yeah.
0: You know that. I mean, but, but I mean, serious. I mean, something that was that you saw, whoa, uh, potato or.
1: Yeah, well, you know, like as we talked earlier, if it's your buddy that's potatoes you, you know, it's not malicious. It's just an accident. Okay. Yeah. DiBiase missed him, split my eye open. If Matt Bourne did it, we're going to talk about it in the shower after the show. But so, you know, like I said, you're usually professional enough at that time. If you have a problem with people, you take care of it backstage. You don't take care of it in front of the people. But, you know, because everything's pretty live. You're in front of thousands of people, millions maybe watching on TV. So when you hit the ropes and you blast somebody, man, you blast a brother. It's you just try not to hit in the X ring. You know you don't want to hit him in the face or something or throat, but everything else to the body is pretty live. And, and you know uh,
0: I wanted to get this in. Uh, Dennis Moore uh, one of the questions that uh, he sent in about this uh, uh, Royal Rumble concerning um, Macho Man. Uh, in this, you know, he's feuding with with Jake, uh, Jake, and he comes in and just you know is has no focus but to get to Jake. Um, but there was a lot of time because he sends Jake out, but then he jumps over the top rope to get to him. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to be thrown out. He did. Uh, Undertaker goes and gets him. But I, I, I people were wondering, like, what happened there? Was that supposed to happen or what? Do you know or remember that uh, what happened? In the situation is he says his question is. Um, was there any backstage heat on Savage for eliminating himself going after Jake?
1: No, I don't think so. I think that probably went as planned. I don't actually remember the deal because you're so concerned about what your job was and what you were going to do. You kind of got tunnel vision about what else was happening around you. But I don't remember any, any big blow up backstage, that's for sure. And even if the stuff does go wrong, just keep rolling along. You know that you may know it, your opponent may know it, or your partner may know it, but the fans don't know it's a mess up. So if something screws up, just keep going. Don't stop and go. Oh, what happened? You know, just keep rolling.
0: Yeah, and uh, and it is. It just uh, keeps rolling along. We got another question here, uh, Jim, um, from Joe L. Uh, his his Twitter handle is at Dirt Fiction regarding your exit from the ring. Um, he says. Uh, Jim, was was that a rib, or were they trying to get Virgil over? They're wondering why it was Virgil who t- who took you out. I think you came in at seventeen in this, um, in this one. Um, I have
1: no idea on God's green earth why they would let Virgil throw me out of there. I don't know. Were you in trouble? Uh, did you? you know a lot of times throughout my career they've tried to use me to you know get other people over you know they're like beat hacksaw you know throw hacksaw out of the ring and that'll get you over and you know they they die in the vine and old hacksaw still out there hoeing you know but uh yeah i was kind of shocked that virgil was going to put me out but uh again i was glad to be on the show so i went ahead and, and went with the uh the storyline but uh you know poor Virg, she uh it didn't help him at all. That's for sure, and it didn't yeah. seem to hurt me. Thank goodness. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I know they they gave it a good shot with him. He certainly got uh, you know. They get uh, Yeah, as a lot of guys push.
1: do. It, but it's it's hard to carry that ball up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um,
0: uh, let's go ahead. and Let's get to the kind of how this thing wraps up because you know after you left, who 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 cared, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Flair, who? Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, uh, right. Uh, <clears throat>
0: All right. So, so as this all uh, comes to a, a, a culmination here as the, the big, who is going to be. Yes. Uh, I I have a few, I have a list of five that I try and get in every podcast (laughs) to impress people. But uh, Flair, as long as he was, as he was in there, he really did take some uh, big shots and, and, you know, again with the chopping and I'm surprised he didn't uh, you know, he wasn't just a bloody mess out there because uh, he took a lot of chops, uh, you know, and really just yeah, chopped and, a lot of people too. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's all part of it too. But this, this all comes up, you know, as we've got, as it, you know, it comes to, uh, uh, the, the big climax here, uh, good word. Um, and, and justice, it said justice is in there and he sends out Piper and Martel and the Savage savages out, and then uh, Hulk Hogan had come in as we uh, uh, pretty much near the end of this thing and he he sneaks up behind Hulk and sends him over as he's as uh, Hulk Hogan's trying to get flair out of the ring. So of course we're laying the groundwork here as, as this feud starts to uh, continue to to build between Hulk and Sid. Um, and then you know they're jawing whatever and then remember Hulk grabs, I mean, Sid grabs uh, or Hulk grabs Sid's arm and then Flair comes up behind him and sends Sid over the ring. And then there's the big pop. Uh, Ric Flair, after, uh, you know, all that time in the ring, wins the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And uh, this was uh, really, when you think about it, uh, Ric Flair uh, had that had to be the pinnacle for him. Uh, Jim, because after all that he had done and you talked about him going to the road shows and with all these other uh, outfits and then the WCW coming to the WWF, this really had to to mean a lot to him Um, at the time. And I don't know how close you were with Rick back then, but what do you think was the feeling there? And what did everybody else feel about him taking the title?
1: Well, I think Rick is one of the most respected guys in the dressing room. You know, everybody appreciates his work ethic and and the way he carries himself and and carries the profession. So I think everybody was relieved to to have him be the the world's champion. And for him, I mean, all the boys, you know, no matter what territory you're working in, you're always talking about coming up to the show, coming up to the WWE or F, man. And so Flair, no matter how big he was, wherever he was at, in no place like WWF and to come up there and be the world champion. I'm sure that was uh, crowning, you know, one of the many highlights of his huge career.
0: Yeah. And, and a side note here on the finish to this thing. Um, when justice sends Hogan out of the ring, um, the elimination of Hogan was loudly cheered. I mean, people popped that he was out and, and it was like, what, whoa, what, what, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah,
1: it's kind of like Cena now, you know. Let's go, yeah. Cena. Cena sucks, you know. Yeah. That's the deal. Love me or hate me, just don't be indifferent. <laughs> but,
0: but but was it reaching, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a peak at that point or people were hoganed out? I don't know. But they actually, they say they, you know, they went in and they, they kind of redid this as far as, uh, you know, audio and, and sweetening. And they had uh, Gorilla add new comments condemning sid you know for this just because they were as i mentioned they were building this feud between them that would go on uh beyond this uh, this event um so do you do you recall that at all during the, that uh what what happened that night or or did most yeah, people that's not
1: on a different level than me that was up in the office brother you know <laughs> but <laughs> I'm i was just saying in the arena, you in, you
0: arena. in the arena now you were i know you were probably already in, you know you were backstage but uh do you remember any hearing anything about it? like what people didn't, they cheered him getting, you know,
1: tossed. no. Cause I, you know, I, I think, you know, the guys realize that, you know, Hogan's been there so long, people get tired of you. Like, as I said, what they do with Cena. I mean, I, I think the only person they hadn't got tired of is the rock. You know Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, Hogan, he, I, like I said, one of the best ever, I, I think if they booed him, he didn't care as long as they paid to come see him. Yeah.
0: Um, and getting back to Ric Flair after this was all over, and he goes backstage for um, you know the interview. Gene's backstage, and, and he goes there, and he's there with uh, with Bobby. <laughs> Bobby was so funny that night. You know, here he's going, you know, every time. Oh, that's it. He's done. He'll never. And then he said, like, I never doubted you for a moment. You know, like <laughs> it was just so great. Uh, but the the when Flair and I I I believe this was uh, as close to a shoot as you're going to get in a promo like this. When he said, this is the greatest, greatest moment of my life. Uh, And then he said, goes on to say, this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. When you're king of the WWF, you rule the world. And I can't help but uh, believe that, uh, that, that came from deep inside Ric Flair after all that that guy had done and been through Uh, that had to be a huge night for him.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. I, uh, it uh, you know flares flare and like you said he's probably seen more titles and championships than anybody in our business. But he realized what that moment meant, becoming the WWF champion at that moment, and he realized that may be the pinnacle of his career.
0: Yeah, well it was, and uh, that was, you know, and overall, Jim, I don't know how you score this, but I think it was a, it was a, it was a great. Uh, Royal Rumble. I I really enjoyed watching it again, and I remember even at the time thinking it was great. I I like. I I really loved all the personalities that were in there. I thought that they kept it moving. I thought there were some great spots, and uh, you know, it's a lot of those are. Sometimes it's difficult to. They're not. They drag, and then you're like, okay, I'm ready, but uh, I I really like this one.
1: You know, Sean, I, I thought the first one was the best one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no. of course. Oh! Uh, why, why would you <laughs> no.
1: think that, Jim? I, uh, let, me no,
0: see. That... let me look back and let me see what happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, um, here it is. Good looking guy, long hair and a beard, right? <laughs> James Dugan. Right.
0: Yeah. Why did they call but... you Dugan in, in Mid-South? Did they Did they just well, not that, know? That, that
1: was my whole interview. It's not Duggan or it's not Dugan. <laughs> it's Duggan, tough guy, <laughs> you know, but uh, again, like Flair or Hogan, you know, they don't care if they mess my name up long as they, Come watch the show, but, uh, yeah,
0: yeah exactly. But it was, a, it was, it was, I thought it was
1: a, a, a great another, event. And, and the best poster in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody look good. <laughs> it's right? a drawing. You can tell.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's get to some questions now as uh, we move along here. We're going to be, uh, wrapping things up. I know you want to get to the family. You got a lot going on there. Um, Jason Worthing, uh, question, for both of us, but I think you're going to be able to address this better than I can. Uh, do you think Sid got a fair break of the WWF? Do you think uh, he could have made more of
1: an impact than he did? Yeah, Sid was a huge talent, but Sid was his own man, too. I mean, he loved softball. Sid was like a competitive big league softball player, so he would miss shows to go really? play softball. So uh I mean, you, you got to have somebody that's reliable every single show. So I think Sid could have had a, a you know, as good a career as he had. He, you know, because he what a physical specimen the guy was. I mean, uh, he probably could have do- actually had a, a better career. But the guy enjoyed life, and wrestling wasn't his life; it was his job. And uh, you know, so he made his decision.
0: Yeah. Do, do you think though that it was. On his part or also bec- uh, to the WWE universe? The just- oh,
1: yeah. Well, the, the boss, if you're not going to be reliable, the boss ain't going to use you. So, well, I mean, uh, you know, it's a two-way street. I think if, if Sid was more reliable and more office-oriented, he definitely would have had a, a better career.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, that's, but he certainly had all the tools. You know, he really definitely. did. I mean, he was uh, – and uh, I thought he made a great heel. I didn't like him,
1: so. <laughs> it was believable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's interesting that, uh, you know, I, I always kind of debated that, that well, who that was really on because it just never really happen, happened for him. Uh, this one for you from Rob, Rob Elliott. I wanted to know, was the Royal Rumble the most fun event of the year for you?
1: Did you look forward to that? I mean, uh, as far as the other, I I think he's asking about the pay-per-views. The pay-per-views, yeah. I I think the guys enjoyed the Royal Rumble because, you know, it wasn't the pressure of WrestleMania. There's a lot more guys on the show, and uh, so it was a little looser type atmosphere, and uh, yeah. So I I think a lot of the guys enjoyed uh, Royal Rumble because a lot more guys were on the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it was was fun. I mean, it was always a, a great atmosphere backstage. Uh, okay. Quick question here on, uh, for me, and you might want to chime in on this, but I got a story that I, re- I remember after getting the question. Um, one of my favorite show, shows, the uh, battle Royal, Robo Hall, Ro- Royal Albert Hall, any good stories? Uh, I just, I just remembered one. I remember when I was there and I, I never been to England. Uh, you know, to, I, I, I played rugby over there, but I'd never really gotten to see you know London. So when I got a chance and I went out in front of the the hall there and just kind of walked around took it in and there was a bunch you know a bunch of fans waiting to get in And there was this one lady who was standing there and i heard her you know say i she's like i can't i can't believe that they're having wrestling here at the royal Albert hall it's just unbelievable i never thought it would come to this the tremendous Events that have taken place here, and all. And, and so I just was and I said, So uh, are you going? She goes, Oh, of course, I wouldn't miss this for the world. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, blasphemy, that was, but that was yeah. unique. A lot of like I said, a lot of folks look down their nose at professional wrestling, but it's hard to uh bump, bump the numbers. I mean, around the world, how <laughs> but like I said, NFL world champions? You gotta be kidding me, what are you talking about <laughs> wrestling but, uh, around the world,
0: yeah. And 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 just like anywhere else, Jim, I remember she talked me up, uh, went on about every superstar. Uh, you know, here's, she, was, she was very proper, and she was just outraged. They would have that's royal I'm at home. And then she went and told me, and I love that Bret Hart. She's such a good-looking young man. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, have Undertaker. a good time at the show. <laughs> She's like beating people with rubber chickens in there, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, and as we wrap this up, a little fun, Jim. Uh, Kyle you Sanders
1: been having fun yet. What are you talking yeah. about? Mooney?
0: Well, <laughs> even more fun. This is, this is a silly part of the program. Okay. Uh, Kyle <laughs> oh, uh. Sanders out there, uh, who, uh, is one of our, our listeners and he, uh, and responds on Twitter uh, very often. Uh, he t- just, I guess just, uh, decided to come up with this and he said, what is the best wrestling beer name? Uh, and, and this this silly, right? But listen to some of these. Now, these are the ones he came up with. Uh ravishing Rick Brood. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Chuggins.
1: <laughs> Throw in any uh guys uh, obviously got too much time on his
0: <laughs> hands. Sure, <but> you should <laughs> see Jim. This blew up on our tw- on, on our Twitter. That really, yeah. Yes. And so I came up with a few. I, I came up with the Brubarian uh and the Bruzerker, Or
1: yeah. Brett Brew.
0: There you go. Uh Blue Mooney was another one. Uh Scott Alcohol. <laughs> Rolling Rock, that was, uh, let's see, and I want to, guys, I want to mention your names, but, oh, look at this, this is another good one, this is from Dave Lightfoot, Brooker T, (laughs) the King Barley Race, okay, and uh, Hop Rod Roddy Pilsner, come on, come on. (laughs) this is good stuff here, Dugan, (laughs) (laughs) tell me when to quit, CM Drunk, that's enough,
1: I had it, I give, tap out, (laughs) tap out, Michelob Foley. (laughs) All right.
0: (laughs) All right. I'll leave it at that. All right. All right. Uh, Folks, I wanted to mention the Unseen Matches DVD you've heard so much about because it's starring me. No, I'm kidding. I just uh, was very fortunate to uh, host, uh, help host this with with, uh, uh, Charlie Caruso with the WWE. Anyway, it's coming out September 5th, and it's got some great, unbelievable matches. They've never been seen. Unseen. That's why it's called Unseen Matches. And guess what? Aksa Jim Duggan is on this DVD uh, with uh, he's wrestling with uh, this is from July 19th, 1989. Hillbilly Jim versus King Duggan versus Haku and Andre. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you're on this. So anyway, September 5th, it will be out. Once again, uh, we want to hear from you. Email us at uh, primetime at MLW.com. Of course, we've got Twitter at a primetime MLW and uh, catch us on iTunes. Get the word out, folks. We want to hear from you. All right, Jim, that's it.
1: Or Thank goodness. Get... Right. <laughs> no How more, more beard jokes, jokes I'll, I'll tell you that. that. How about a uh, brew Willa monsoon?
0: <laughs> the brew meanie. Come on, t- start, take us out of here because I'm just going to uh, keep...
1: Give me a hole. <laughs> uh, a brew. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin no. Von Ratsky. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. Don't threaten us, Sean. <laughs> see you next week, everybody.